This morning I want to talk to you about light. As a church family, we've been calling for light for a little while now. On Friday night, if you're with us, we prayed for light into our nation, into our every aspect of our life. Um, and Adam has been teaching into light, and we're exploring a little bit. Um, and this year, I've experienced God's light in a way I haven't before. I've also experienced his love and redemption much more and in a deeper way than I've ever in a way I've never done it before and I want to share this with you because it excites me and when something excites me I want to share it with you so this morning we're going to be talking about light we're going to talk about Oliver's uh, morning routine Oliver's our son my son um, and we're going to talk about the woman at the well so we said this that Jesus is the light and he wants to shine light in every aspect of your life he wants to light uh, shine light in every aspect of my life. If we read in John 12, verse, 30, verse 46, we read this. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. No one who believes in me should stay in darkness. That is his desire for you, for his desire for you and I to be in light and not in darkness. He does not live in darkness. When things are exposed in his light, they are brought to bring restoration and healing, not shame, guilt, and fear. In Ephesians 5, verse 13, we read this. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. In the mirror version, the same verse reads this. Darkness loses its grip upon that which light manifests. Light displaces darkness. The purpose of bringing things into light is to get them out of darkness, is to turn them into light and not to be punished, not to be shamed, not to be exposed. The purpose of it is to bring restoration. He wants to shine his light into every thought, every aspect, every secret, every place in your life because he wants to redeem it. He wants to restore it. He wants to make it whole. That's the only reason for your benefit. By bringing things into light, we allow them to be known and we voice them, but God already knows them. He's already been, he's, a, he's always been aware of them. He always known them. We still maybe believe this little light that I can show God all these beautiful rooms in my house, but I'll have that one tiny little cupboard, that one tiny room that I'm going to hide, and it's nice and dark in there, and only I know it's in there. That is a lie because God knows it all inside out there is no room there is no little cupboard like you might have a home the one that you know you shove everything before someone walks through the door well nobody's walked through your door lately but you know I mean you all have that drawer that you might just put everything in but with God we can't do that he knows it all he he sees it all it nothing is a surprise for him you're not going to be like, by the way, God, I need to tell you something. God is like, oh, no, because he knows it. He's already known it. He's always known that. But walking in light means giving someone authority to speak into your life, to help you, to rebuke you at times, to encourage you and to be with you. We call this process discipleship. It's a process by which we are changed to be more like Jesus. Discipleship is what we as a church believe and we, as a family, walk into more and more. This is what we know that God has called us to be in discipleship. Have you got anyone like that in your life? Have you identified them? Have you grown into relationship with them? 
write it down. Maybe God is telling you right now who to think about, who is that person. Wait, have you not seen them in a while? Have you not catch up with, caught up with them in a while? Write it down. I'm glad Adam said earlier to uh, get a pen and paper because if you still have it out, there will be some things that I think God will want you to write down. So, um, one morning I went into Oliver's room and it was really early. Uh, any parents out there relate? Yeah? Good. It was before six. It was absolutely dark. It was... Uh, and sometimes I can manage to go into his room and, you know, I'm like, shh, Oliver, it's still night time. But this morning, as soon as I entered the room, he was like, light, light, mommy, mommy, out, out, light. And I'm thinking, oh, he wants me to put the light on. I really did not want to do this because as soon as I put the light on, he will definitely be awake. If he wasn't awake now, I mean, he's bouncing off the walls, but if he's not awake now, he's definitely going to be awake when I put on the light. And I just wanted to be in the sleepy state a little bit longer. Do you know what I mean? Like... When, when you wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and you realize it's still just two in the morning, you're like, yes, I still have so much more sleep and you can get back cozy. And Well, I wanted to be in that state. I, you know, I wanted him to go back to sleep. I wanted to get a little bit more darkness. Uh, and I knew the light would wake me up and I knew the day will start. So I wasn't ready for that yet. Uh, but he carried on asking. So I was like, okay, let's put the light on. So I walk over and I put the light on. And as soon as I turn the light on, he's like, oh, mommy, hurting my eyes. Um, because the light was very bright. The light was just kind of like, he wanted the light, but it's like, oh, my eyes are like, you know, you feel blinded a little bit. Um, it took a little bit of time to adjust. It took a bit of time for my eyes to adjust, and we needed a few seconds. But after a few seconds, we started looking around, and we adjusted, our eyes adjusted to the light. And he started looking around to see some toys. Oh, mommy, car, oh, mommy. And the more time passed, and his eyes adjusted to this new light, the more toys and things he saw around the room. The light wasn't hurting anymore. Now the light was good. The light was helping us play and see all the good things in the room. Um, so why am I telling you this story? Because I believe it's a good representation of God's light in our lives. We might hear about this light, this light that shines into every corner of our lives, but we might be reluctant to let it in. We might be a bit reluctant to turn the light on. It feels comfortable not to. It's cozy. In the dark, you don't have to see everything. The day doesn't have to start just yet. It's just, you know, warm, especially in the winter mornings. Who wants to put the light on to start the day? But, you know, I felt nice and comfortable in the dark. I wasn't ready to be awake yet. I wasn't ready to see everything. So I wanted to keep the light off for a little longer. And we do that in our own lives. We sometimes want to keep the light off for a little longer. But we read earlier that light displaces darkness. There is no place for darkness. Jesus is the light. It's not like he brings light. He is the light. There is no place for darkness. When light is shone and the initial pain has been removed, we start seeing the good things in the light. Like Oliver saw his toys. The light brought those exciting things that he wanted to play with. But here's the thing, not shining the light doesn't make the things not there. It doesn't make them disappear, it just makes them not seen. And when the light is shone, it might hurt a little, it might be a bit too bright, it might need time to adjust. I'm going to share with you today a little testimony of God bringing something to light this, this year. Um, 
he's brought plenty of things into life, but the most recent one, a few months ago, I think it was June, we were still doing church on Zoom, you know, the last time we were doing church on Zoom, um, and Adam was sharing about things being brought into light. I think he did a series on it. It's an amazing word. Uh, go back on YouTube and read again on it. It's on June 28th. It was amazing. Uh, go and listen to it. And anyway, so I was listening, and I was at home with Oliver, and I was cleaning, and Oliver was playing. I was like, yeah, this is a great word. Amen, amen. Um, and then even doing the word, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask. God, Adam was saying that God wants to shine into every corner of your life. He wants to shine light. So as I was listening, I prayed, God, is there anything you want to, to, to light some, uh, to shine some light into my life? Um, thinking, you know, there isn't. Or it might be something a bit small or something like, you know, good, bad. You know, when you're interview, I care too much. Or... Um, you know, I'm too organized. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm feeling quite good about myself. And I'm clean. And I'm like, oh, Lord, if there's anything you want to show me. Um, and then the guy's like, bam. <sighs> Little did I know that God did have something he wanted to reveal to me. Something to be brought into light. Something that needed healing, restoration, and reconciliation. Something that's been there for a while. And God in his goodness and grace has not forced it down me and made me deal with it. I think that was the first thing that I've kind of got hit with yes the light was bright and I was like oh my eyes but at the same time I was like wait a second God has only brought this into light when I asked him he didn't force me every day like you need to deal with this you need to deal with this we need to deal with this because even though he saw the pain and he wanted me to be restored he waited he's just an amazing God he waited for me to be ready he waited for me to ask to reveal and bring it into light what an amazing father he is. He is loving me, accepting me, even when I can't see what he is. He was waiting on me and loving me in the same time, in the meantime, the same way. Anyway, so as soon as I, these things were revealed to me, it felt like Oliver in his room, like bright, eyes hurting. You know, I feel a little bit like this now. The lights are everywhere, like, uh, I felt exposed. I felt vulnerable. I felt like this light was hurting me. But in reality, God knew about it all along. I wasn't exposed. I wasn't shamed. I was just beginning the process of being healed. Because I didn't see everything the way he sees. I saw it from my point of view, so I only saw the pain. When God revealed it to me, I only saw the pain. But he sees the whole picture. God was telling me that he didn't reveal it to me to shame me, to guilt me, or to punish me, but to restore and heal me. And in that moment, I was like, Thank you, Lord. Um, let's read the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And Adam already read the first few verses of this, so you kind of know how, where it starts. But let's read from verse 6 to verse 10. It says this, Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, the woman is kind of confused at this point because she's like, So am I asking you for a drink or are you asking me for a drink? You don't even have something to get water out with. And if you have this amazing water, why are you asking me for a drink? 
you know, she's they have this conversation and she's just not really sure what's going on. But God is telling her that he can, uh, Jesus is telling her that he can offer her the living water, that whoever drinks from this water will not be thirsty again. And in verse 15, we carry on reading. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I can get, so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What have you said is quite true. Sir, said the woman, I can see that you are a prophet. Prophet. She recognized who Jesus was because he brought light into her life. He didn't do it to shame her, but to give her living water. Jesus knows her, really, really knows her. The way maybe the people in the village have known her entire life don't know her. But he knows her and loves her. Loves her as she is, loves her where she is at. And he brings her into light. He offers her the living water. Jesus wants me and you to have this living water because he knows it all. He knows it and he loves you. Shining light into our lives, it's always for a benefit for us to receive this water never to shame never to guilt and this light helped me see something it, it kind of revealed something but that wasn't the end the light reveals something and its purpose is to bring restoration and healing but what I do with that is up, up to me what I do with all that that God has revealed to me is up to me the pain gets revealed and needs to be shared in order to receive healing, freedom, and restoration. We must let light expose the good things. The good things are waiting. The good things are in the light, not in the darkness. Freedom, release of pain, release of anxiety, release of fear, they're all in the light of Jesus. So, back to my story. Uh, I knew I had to bring this thing to light. And not just in between me and Jesus, because I knew about it, Jesus knew about it, like, that was the first step. I knew I needed to bring it before somebody. And when we say bringing things to light, we're talking about firstly admitting to ourselves, and yes, and laying it before Jesus, but also before somebody else, someone that loves Jesus, that walks with him, that is further on than you. And I know that in this family, we have at least 10 people like that, at least much more, Adam's saying much more, sorry, much more, many more people, but at least that, which means you always have somebody near you that can be this person for you. So who do you have like that in your life? I've asked this question and I'm going to carry on asking because I think it's, it's probably the starting point if you haven't done this already. Who do you have in your life like that? Bringing to light made me feel anxious because the track record I had when things were brought to light was that I will be in trouble, I will be shamed, I'll be exposed because we all long to be known and to be loved, but we're also afraid of being known. <clears throat> we're afraid of being known because perhaps of past experiences where we were known and not loved or the ongoing questions or if I am known, will I still be loved? And that might be your experience, but that is our experience as people with other people. God does not bring things into light for any of those reasons. But it does, need, it does need to be brought into light in order for the pain to be removed. He, does, he doesn't want me to live with this pain. 
Therefore, he wants to take you away. But it can't be taken away when it's hidden. We believe the lie that if we don't expose, we're keeping ourselves away from pain. If I don't talk about it, then I don't have to feel this pain. Well, guess what? You are feeling it. You are walking in it. You are living in it and out of it. It does not go away by not exposing it. That is a lie that we tell ourselves. And it's a lie that I have to stop believing. And it's a lie that you have to stop believing. It's a lie. You are not more healed by not talking about things. But it does hurt. It does take hard work. It's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. But what you receive in return is beautiful freedom. It's life. It's necessary if I want to walk in freedom and in life. It's like this. At my house, I love cleaning and I love tidying. And I love having a... It's mainly because I love having a clean environment around me. But imagine if instead of cleaning and tidying, because I want a clean environment, I just turn off the lights. And then I'd say, oh, it's tidy. It's not. But then saying that I don't want to turn the lights on because that makes it messy. The light doesn't make it messy. It's already messy. Turning off the light and then receiving people in my house, hello, come and welcome into my very clean house, doesn't make me live in a clean house. It just makes you not see it. The light doesn't make it messy. It's already messy and dirty. I just don't see it. But I'm living with the effects of it because I might trip over mess, it might smell, and I can't really use my house to the full of its ability because it's dark all the time. Only when I turn on the light and get painfully realistic about what's there and I can start cleaning and tidying and actually have a clean and tidy house, like I say I like to have. You are a beautiful creation designed by the most amazing architect. You have a purpose. But more often than not, this purpose, this thing that God has placed inside of you, gets hidden under pain, under anxiety, fear, trauma, worries, questions, what-ifs, voices, you name it. I've been there. But a few weeks ago, when we were here at church, Faye had a picture of a music box with a ballerina. You know, those really pretty ones. That like when you open it, it's like, or whatever song comes on. And she explained that the ballerina can only start dancing and the music can start playing when the lid gets lifted. When the lift is down, there is still a beautiful ballerina there. She still has the ability to dance, but she's just laid down. She's not... You know, he's not using to her the best of her ability. You are a dancer. When you allow light to shine and redeem what's inside, you can start dancing. Not right now, Adam. But when we don't share things to, uh, that, when we don't share things, when we don't bring them to light, things remain in the dark. And the enemy can use things in the dark. Things unsaid and unshared have power over our mind, have power over us. When things are exposed, Jesus takes the pain and the enemy has no power over it. I hope you'll all agree with me, but you all sometimes have those voices in your head and um, they tell you that you're not good enough, that you might not be loved, don't do this, don't do that. Maybe do the, the insecurities, the fears, the 
you know, sometimes when we don't share things and we don't expose them, the voices get louder and louder. They can't, the conversation then happens between me and my voice in his head. And that's not a really good conversation. I don't really get to a very good place when the conversation happens in my head with these voices. But when I share it, it's kind of like straight away it loses its power. Um, it's like this. And Adam prayed that some things might be, get dropped into my mind. But I just thought about it. If you read, as you, if you have a two-year-old, you'll read a lot of kids' stories. But one of the stories that I read with all is called The Gruffalo's Child. And the Gruffalo tells his child to, you know, don't go in the wood because there's a big bad mouse. And everyone knows about the big bad mouse, but actually doesn't exist. Because when it comes to the big bad mouse, the mouse, which is a little tiny, tiny mouse, gets on a twig and the shadow reflects this big, ugly monster that everyone's scared of. Oh no, he eats Gruffalo's. But the reality is that it's a tiny mouse. That the Gruffalo would have a lot of power over this tiny mouse. And it's the same with when we share things. It can, they can seem so big and so overwhelming in our mind and so scary. You know, the big bad mouse has terrible eye, fiery eyes and terrible long tails and he's very terrible, horrible. But actually, when we look into it, it was just a tiny mouse on a twig and the shadow just looked bigger than it was. When we expose things to light, we are like kind of cutting the power from the enemy. There is no, there's no power there. Then the conversation doesn't happen between me and my head. It happens between me and God. It happens between me and somebody that has God's voice. And that, trust me, it's a much better conversation. It always brings me to a much better place than me with my own voices talking. Please tell me that you also have these voices, because otherwise it's just me with these voices. <laughs> um, but, so... To my story, I had, uh, I, I knew I had revealed something, I knew God brought something into light, then I had to share it. This is discipleship, this is the next step. And I had a week before my meeting in which I was going to bring these things into light. Um, and it wasn't a great week. I struggled with insecurities and wondering if it's the right thing. I wondered how will I be seen after I share. I wonder what's the point. It already happened, why talk about it? Why bring the past up? Um, but it was also a week where God reminded me at every step that he is with me, that he wants to take the pain away, that revealing it to me was not the end. There was pain that needed dealing with. That's the only reason he ever revealed things to us. So I did share it. And yes, I was loved and I was accepted and I was valued. And I learned a bit more about me and about how God sees me. And he started a new process of dealing with some pain that gave me freedom and carries on giving me freedom. And I'm walking in this freedom today. Freedom um, that I'm walking now, not later. Not when I die and I go to heaven, but right now. Would God have loved me the same if I didn't share it? Yes. Would Adam and Faye have loved me the same if I didn't share it? Yes. That, that wasn't the question. That wasn't the main problem. That shouldn't have been the thing that stopped me. The only person it would have affected if I didn't bring it to light, would have been me. And in effect, the people around me. Because here's the truth. We sometimes believe that this pain only affects us. Therefore, if I don't do anything with it, I'm the only one suffering. Which, in one sense, it's true, because you are the one in pain, you are the one in it. But we are surrounded by people, and we're meant to be surrounded by people. People that this pain would also have an effect on. 
I know from which place I want to operate with myself and the people around me. And that is from a place of no pain, no insecurities, no anxieties, no fears. But from a place of freedom and love for my benefit, but also for the benefit of everyone around me. I have received all that I have received for myself, but also for everyone else around me. Whatever I have, it has come from people that received something and gave it out. Therefore, I want to do that. Everything that I receive, I want it to be for me, for my benefit, for my freedom, but also for everyone around me. In John 4, we carry on reading the story about the woman at the well, and in verse 28, we read this. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I've done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. She received something, the living water, but she did not keep it to herself. She wanted to tell everyone about it. She wanted to shout about the good news to everyone she met. She ran into the village, which, if you think about it, she's like, this man told me everything about me. She told me I have no... Oh, wait, you guys might not know that um, I've had five husbands. Oh. But that didn't stop her, Sharon. That didn't stop her telling everybody about this man she met. We're meant to receive life and give it further. In verse 39 to 41 of the same chapter, we read this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritan came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. The testimony of one woman, the light that shone into one woman's life, because of it, because of it, she received life. She was restored. And she went out and gave it to everyone else. That is how it's meant to be, always. In John 8, verse 12, in the mirror Bible version, we read this. As Jesus continued to say, I am the light of the world. Whoever journeys with me shall not walk in darkness, but will radiate the light of life. Radiate, echo, resonate. We are called not to bring this light out into the world once we receive it. We're we are meant to give it out wherever. And not, you don't just, oh, well, I'm going to wait until I'm fully restored and then I'll give it out to any, everybody else. No, I've learned about this one thing, then there must be at least one other person out there that can be help, this can be helpful to. And then I deal with another thing and then I give that thing out. Don't believe the lie that you have to wait to be whole. Nobody in this world is whole yet. And we will be one day, but... Whatever you've received, give it out to somebody else. And then carry on receiving it and carry on giving it out. Adam said this recently. The lockdown is not the problem, but the magnifying glass to something that is already there. I encourage you to reflect. I'm going to give you some questions. Write them down if you want to. Take a picture. Go back onto this word. But I encourage you to reflect on this question. To spend some time asking the Lord for guidance. Asking these questions. Spend some time with the people that will help you answer these questions. People that love you. People that are with you and they're for you. First question, what is a magnifying glass highlighting? What is it bringing into light? In what stage are you at the moment? In the comfortable, nice darkness? In the painfully light stage, you know, where like the light is still kind of hurting your eyes? Are you in the adjusting and just about starting to see the toys that are starting to take form? 
<clears throat> are you enjoying the light? We must answer these questions in order to know where we are. I know where I am. I've spent time pondering on these questions. I have people in my life that I grew in relationship with and I share everything that is inside of me. There is light in every aspect of my life. I can honestly say that there is nothing that these two or three people <clears throat> don't know about me. That has brought me so much freedom, so much restoration, so much life. <clears throat> everything, that <he's> been <clears throat> everything that has been brought into light into my life for my benefit. And when God will reveal any more, I will carry on bringing into light and let him heal me and redeem me. <clears throat> when the light that I put on in all this room, he seemed super bright. He seemed like the brightest star in the world. But the truth is, it was just the tiniest, you know, light, night light that he has. And once we adjusted to the light, it actually was still pretty dark. And then God will reveal some more light. God will, you know, we went out the room, there was brighter light. And we went downstairs and it was the sun. And the light keeps shining and gets brighter. <clears throat> always allow more light in. There's always more. It's a journey. Um, I encourage you to read over these questions, to think of them, to ponder them, to talk to somebody about them. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did.